Well, thank you, Brother Terry. My goodness gracious, seeing about our Lord. And you know, the song was, He Came to Me. And that's what the Lord, that's what the Lord did for me. He came to me. And the Lord wants to come to you. If you don't know Him as your Lord and Savior, you can. Because He wants to come to you. And I hope you'll let Him do that today. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Acts, the book of Acts, Acts chapter 16. I prayed and prayed about what to share, and I thought about fear, and I thought about worry. And then the Lord put something on my mind, on my heart. And um, I was watching the news, and they gave an update. I believe it was last night, the final update I saw. And they mention where 258,000 people had died because of this virus. And I got to wondering, I'm thinking, my goodness, that's so many people. If you just line those people up in a line, in a straight line, how long would that line reach? How far would it reach? How long would it go? And I got to wondering, I just wonder how many of them died without Jesus. Oftentimes we get concerned about all the physical and we forget about the spiritual. And the best way you can prepare for any crisis, especially a pandemic, is to make sure you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. And so I want to share with you this morning, the Lord having placed this upon my heart out of necessity, I believe. What must I do to be saved? Justin mentioned a few minutes ago how our life is just a vapor. We're not going to live always. But there will come a time unless Christ returns soon that I'll, I'll die. I'll go as the fathers have gone, the Bible says. And I'll, I'll leave this earth. But I've trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of my life. And I know this earth, this world, is not all. There's something far better than what we have here. And I hope you understand that. If not, I hope you listen to the Holy Spirit and will understand it before I'm finished. Acts chapter 16, and we're going to be reading from verse 25 through 34. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison awakening from sleep and seeing the prisoner, uh, prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we're all here. Then he called for a light, ran in, fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and says, Sirs, 
What must I do to be saved? Now, he wasn't speaking about his, his physical salvation. He'd, he'd already been saved. Earthquake's over. Everything had come down. But he's thinking now about spiritual things. He'd heard Paul and Silas, no doubt, preaching and heard them singing hymns, singing song, psalms to the Lord. Verse 39, and he brought them out and says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes, and immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into the house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all of his household. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we have to share your word. So many people listening, perhaps so many without you today. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll begin to speak to the hearts of those who have never believed in the Lord Jesus, in the gospel, trusted him, committed themselves and their soul to him. I pray today you will speak to them. Let them know, Father, you're nearby. You'll reach down. You'll save their soul. You'll give them a home in heaven. They can have assurance of that. And for we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. In Acts chapter 16, we find where the message of hope and salvation that was being preached by Paul and Silas was very offensive to their Roman hearers. And because of that, Paul and Silas were beaten. They were placed in a prison. Their hands were put in stocks. But at midnight, verse 25, something happened. Paul and Silas was praying. They were singing praises unto God. The prisoners heard them, preaching, no doubt, singing praises. And then suddenly the glory of the Lord came down, and a great earthquake came about. Now, when the earthquake hit, it hit with such force that the prison shook. And the doors were shaken open. And all of a sudden their hands were loosed. And the Roman guard, the Roman law stated that the jailer was responsible for his inmates. And so immediately he remembered that if they escaped, he faced a very disgraceful execution. And so facing the shame of being put to death for an escape, the loss of his prisoners, he drew out his sword. It wasn't a long sword. It was like 18 to 24-inch sword. He drew out his sword to plunge it into his heart to take his life. He was going to kill himself. And Paul saw this. He saw him and he said, do yourself no harm. We're all here, all of us. 
And verse 29, the jailer came and he fell down before Paul and Silas. And the jailer just asked a, a simple question that I believe with all of my heart that everyone asked from time to time. What must I do to be saved? Did you know this is the only place in the New Testament that that question is asked? What must I do to be saved? Well, the direct answer of that question is found in verse 31. Verse 31, the answer was, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Dr. George W. Truitt pastored First Baptist Church, Dallas, for 47 years. He once said this, O preacher, make it plain, make it plain how a man can be saved. You know the Bible makes it pretty plain. And I hope that I can make that plain for you to understand it today. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, as He touches your heart, you should be able to understand how to be saved. Now, before I share how to be saved... Let's deal first of all with why must I be saved? Why must I be saved? If you're jotting down notes, number one, why must I be saved? Well, friend, you must be saved because of the universal sentence of death. The universal sentence of death. The Bible says in Hebrews 9.27 that it's appointed unto man once to die. And after death, the judgment. Genesis 2.17 says, In the day that you eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. Ezekiel tells us that the soul that sins, it shall die. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death. Now here's the point. Because of sin... We all face that judgment. We, we face the judgment of spiritual death, physical death, eternal death, and the second death. And the point being, nothing of this life can deliver us from the inevitable judgment of death. For the wages of sin is death. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Every funeral home testifies of this fact. Every cemetery testifies of this fact. So in this very short time, in two months, or a little longer than two months for the world, but it relatively in a very short time, 258,000 people have died from this coronavirus because the wages of sin is death. We die because we're sinners. We die physical death because we're sinners. We die spiritual death because we're sinners. So why must I be saved? Because the wages of sin is death. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So why must I be saved? Because I'm a sinner. 
Number two, when must one be saved? When must one be saved? Well, God answers with a very emphatic, when does one need to be saved? God says, now. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 2 says, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. So, God's Holy Spirit, God says today is the day of salvation. God's Holy Spirit has never pleaded with anyone that tomorrow is the day of salvation. Or that some other day is the day of salvation. Some other time is the day of salvation. Some other hour is the, is the day of salvation. The Holy Spirit of God always pleads with you with a heart that today is the day of salvation. Now is the time of salvation. Now why is that? Because you don't know that you have tomorrow. You don't know if you have this afternoon. I don't either. We don't have a, a mortgage or a lease on any tomorrow. None of that belongs to us, only to God. And so any day could be the day. So God says, now, today is the time to be saved. Years ago, I had a phone call from this gentleman and uh, he was um, he was bedfast, and he wanted me to come by his house to share with him. He called and requested me to come by his house and share with him how he could be saved. And so, in about an hour, I went by his home, and and when I got to the door, his caregivers were giving him a bath. And I said, I'll tell you, I'll just come back tomorrow and I'll share with you then. And he said, that'll be fine. And so I left. The next morning about 8 o'clock, one of his caregivers called and said, Brother Sammy, we just wanted you to know that so-and-so passed away during the night. I'll never forget that. I put off tomorrow. I put off tomorrow in sharing with someone that day how they could have eternal life, and tomorrow never came for them. Why must I be saved? When must I be saved? You need to be saved now. And then how can I be saved? What must I do to be saved? Well, first, I want you to realize that as a preacher, I'm a biblical literist. By that I mean I believe in the inspired, inerrant, infallible Word of God. I believe what the Bible says. I believe it syllable by syllable. I believe it sentence by sentence. I believe it revelation by revelation. I believe that God created the heavens and the earth, period. I believe that 
A flood covered the earth. I believe that Noah, God had Noah to build a giant boat, an ark, and take the animals two by two and save Noah and his household. I believe that. I believe that God parted the Red Sea. I believe that prior, I believe that a fish swallowed Jonah. I believe that. I believe that Solomon and Gomorrah were destroyed by fire and brimstone. I believe that David killed a giant with just a little small stone with his slingshot right between his eyes and forehead. I believe that Jesus is co-equal with God. I believe that Jesus was born of a virgin, and I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and he was buried And last week we celebrated that he arose from the dead. And I believe one day he's coming again. I believe that. And so, what must I do to be saved? I believe what the Bible says. Verse 31. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Now, something very important. Notice... It's one thing and not two. It's one thing and not two. It's not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and then this. It's not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and then this and later this and later this. It's one thing and not two. What does it mean to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? 2 Timothy 1, verse 12. Paul says, I know whom I have believed. I'm persuaded. I know who I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've, that, that I've committed. The word committed there is paratheken. To keep what I have committed, parathekin, committed meaning, the Greek word parathekin meaning deposited, placed in his hands. He's able to keep what I have committed, deposited, placed in his hands against that day, that, that great final judgment day. So what is it to believe in the Lord Jesus? It's a parathekin. It's a commitment. It's, it's a commitment. It's a deposit of my soul and my life to Him. In Him. Now you can translate that Greek word. You can translate it to commitment. You can translate it to trust. You can translate it to believe. You can translate it to deposit. You can translate it to faith. It's like, a, it's like making a commitment to the bank. I believe in the bank. And I go and I deposit. I commit funds to the bank. I believe in the postal system. I go out to the mailbox and I commit a letter to the postal system. It's like um, 
paying an insurance policy. I believe in that insurance company. After I die, I believe the insurance company is going to follow through. I drive over a bridge. I don't get out and inspect the bridge. If you go down to Birmingham, and after they've opened up the new highway, and at their malfunction junction, you hit 20 and 59 and 65, you can get dizzy going in any certain directions with the many curves, the elevation. But I don't inspect none of that, but I just trust that. I, I trust those men who built the bridge. So believe as a commitment, it's a trust, it's a deposit. The point is, I commit my life to the Lord Jesus. You remember God said to those that were in Egypt, He said, the death angel's going to pass through tonight, and you need to have blood on your lentils, on your doorpost. And those who believed, they placed the blood on the lentil and the doorpost. And under that blood, they sat. Behind that blood, they sat, waiting, trusting, committing themselves to the promise of God. And the angel passed over. And it was that commitment, it was that trust, it was that faith, it was their belief that saved them. Again, there was the plague in, in the camp in the wilderness. You remember the serpents. Moses told them to, to build a serpent, construct a serpent, this pole of a serpent, and, and lift it up in the midst of the people. Those that were smitten and those that were dying, if they would just look on the pole, they would live. A.M. Hall wrote a poem, and this is what he said. There is a life for a look at the crucified one. There is a life at this moment for thee. Then look, my brother, look unto him and be saved unto him who was nailed on a tree. Believe in Jesus. Thou shalt be saved. You see, it's a commitment. It's a trust. You ever thought about the thief on the cross? What could the thief do on the cross? Couldn't do anything with his hands. Couldn't serve any way with his hands. Couldn't go anywhere with his feet and serve. The thief there that confessed Christ as Lord. He was nailed to a cross. The only thing he could do was move his head. And he lifted up his head toward Jesus. And he said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And the Lord rep replied, Simeron, in Greek meaning this day, Simeron, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. Luke 23, verse 43. So what is it to believe in the Lord? It's a commitment of your soul and your life to Jesus Christ. It's willing to submit yourself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, to accept Christ and who He says He is. It is to commit your life to the Lord Jesus. My dad, years ago, we were talking, and I said, Dad, I said, did you have a good church service today? He said, we sure did. He said, we had 
we had one that made a commitment. And I said, oh, you had one saved? He said, well, we had one that made a commitment. I was saying the word saved, meaning one that made a commitment, and he was saying that one that made a commitment was saved. I found this. <clears throat> it talks about <clears throat> the execution of Archbishop Thomas Kramer in 1556, and as it was told by John Fox in his book of Martyrs. And as I have shared with you what it means to believe in Jesus, here's a man that believed in Jesus. Listen to this. Thomas Carter, or Kramer, I'm sorry, Thomas Kramer. He had signed a recantation in order to save his life, and then he, re he renounced his recantation, and he's been burned at the stake. And so he says, and I quote, For as much as my hand hath offended writing contrary to my heart, therefore my hand shall first be punished. For when I come to the fire, it shall first be burned. End of quote. Fox goes on and says, Then Kramer, being pulled down from the stage, was led to the fire. When he came to the place where the holy bishops and martyrs of God, Latimer and Ridley, were burned before him for the confession of their truth, kneeling down, he prayed to God. And not long tearing in his prayer, putting off his garment to his waist, he prepared himself for death. When the wood was kindled and the fire began to burn, he stretched forth his right hand, which he had signed the recantation. He stretched forth his hand into the flames, and there he held it so steadfast that all the people might see it burn to a coal before his body was torched. What does it mean to believe in Jesus? It means you commit your total being to Jesus. You know, salvation is a gift from God. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And He offers that to you and to me by grace. You receive salvation by faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. Not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. You can't buy it because you're too poor. I mean, you, it cannot be bestowed upon you because you're not worthy enough, because we're sinners and we're separated from God. It's not given to you because of your education, because there's so many who are uneducated. But the promise is in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, least any man should boast. I can't say I did it. I can only say that He did it. He did it. What must I do to be saved? First, why must I be saved? 
because of the universal sentence of death. Second, when must I be saved? The Holy Spirit shouts, today is the day. Now's the time. What must I do to be saved? One thing, not two. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Commit, deposit, trust your soul, your life to Him as you believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, that He came, He died on the cross for your sins, He was buried, and He arose again on the third day, and He's coming back again one day. Heavenly Father, thank You for an opportunity we have to share this morning. And I pray for everyone who has heard this message, Your message, What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. We're going to have a hymn of invitation, and what I'd like for you to do, just in the quiet place there of your home or wherever you might be, I'd like for you just to bow your head, pray from your heart, humble your heart, and say, Oh God, I know that I'm a sinner. I was born a sinner. I choose to sin. But I know that you came and you died on the cross for my sins. I ask you to forgive me. I turn from my sins. I turn to you. And I believe with all of my heart that you died on that cross. You were buried and you arose again. And I submit my life to you. I receive you into my heart, my life, to be my Lord, my Savior. Surrender all. Here's going to lead us.